Hello, my name is Jody Lee Mott, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the children's books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, posted on the first and third Monday of each month, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts about their own favorite children's books. Today I'm going to be interviewing Michael Arterberry. Uh, Michael is a motivational speaker, and he's author of the motivational book, Be Encouraged, 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. He is also founder and executive director of Youth Voices Center Incorporated. Uh, we're going to be talking about his work as a motivational speaker and his work at the Youth Voices Center, uh, and we'll also be talking about his favorite children's book, Curious George by H.A. Ray. Uh, but first, like always, I'm going to start with a poem. And the title of the poem I'm going to read today is called Praise Song for the Day. Uh, it was written by Elizabeth Alexander, and it was specifically written, actually, for the inauguration of President Barack Obama. Praise Song for the Day Each day we go about our business, walking past each other, catching each other's eyes, or not, about to speak or speaking. All about us is noise. All about us is noise and bramble, thorn and din, each one of our ancestors on our tongues. Someone is stitching up a hem, darning a hole in a uniform, patching a tire, repairing the things in need of repair. Someone is trying to make music somewhere, with a pair of wooden spoons on an oil drum, with cello, boombox, harmonica, voice. A woman and her son wait for the bus. A farmer considers the changing sky. A teacher says, take out your pencils, begin. We encounter each other in words, words spiny or smooth, whispered or declaimed, words to consider, reconsider. We cross dirt roads and highways that mark the will of someone and then others, who said, I need to see what's on the other side. I know there's something better down the road. We need to find a place where we are safe. We walk into that which we cannot yet see. Say it plain, that many have died for us this day. Sing the names of the dead who brought us here, who laid the train tracks, raised the bridges, picked the cotton and the lettuce, built brick by brick the glittering edifices they would then keep clean and work inside of. Praise song for struggle, praise song for the day, praise song for every hand-lettered sign, the figuring it out at kitchen tables. Some live by love thy neighbor as thyself, Others by first do no harm, or take no more than you need. What if the mightiest word is love? Love beyond marital, filial, national. Love that casts a widening pool of light. Love with no need to preempt grievance. In today's sharp sparkle, this winter air, anything can be made, any sentence begun. On the brink, on the brim, on the cusp. Praise song for walking forward in that light. My guest today is Michael Arterberry, a motivational speaker and author of the memoir God Was Holding My Hand and the motivational book Be Encouraged, 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. In addition, he's also founder and executive director of Youth Voices Center, Inc. You can find his website at www.michaelarterberry.com and the website for Youth Voices Center at www.youthvoicescenter.org. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Michael. Yes, yes. I'm glad to be here, Jody, to be able to talk to you and your audience. Now, uh, like I said, you're a motivational speaker, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you got involved with that. 
You know, well, I grew up in a home with a uh, a raging alcoholic dad, and I say raging, Jody, because he raged from the time I was born until when I died, when he died, um, when I was 16. Um, and, you know, that was significant because, you know, I really never had a day where I was able to really settle into fun. You know, I would have fun and I would have peace of mind, but then all of a sudden something would tap me on the shoulder and remind me of what I had to go home to at night. So, you know, I grew up in a home with an alcoholic dad. Um, I grew up in poverty. Both my parents worked full time, but my dad's money went to drinking. My mom was a housekeeper, so, you know, she raised four kids with a housekeeping salary. So we didn't have much money. And as far as uh, I grew up in dysfunction, um, my home was dysfunctional, meaning, you know, with the things going on. But also in my neighborhood, unfortunately, the kids came from homes similar to mine. So, you know, in my neighborhood, we had crime, we had drugs. You know, we had a lot of, you know, things that could have prevented me from being successful. But what pushes me to motivate others is the fact that I was able to come from that environment and be able to, you know, stand on my feet and, and make it. So, you know, I use that as a catalyst to push to move other people to a place of success and, and really want to pull them up when they feel like they don't have anyone to lean on. And was there like a particular moment in your life when you realized this is the thing that I can do uh, to help other people out? You know, there were sprinkles of it, Jody, as I, I was growing. So I never got, I never got that, that like lightning bolt when I was like, you are going to be a motivational speaker. I think growing up, I was an elite athlete. So I was always, um, you know, really good in sports. So I was a leader on the field. But then that spiraled into, I started getting jobs. My first jo real jobs were with camps. And I noticed that I would, I was always one of the more favorite counselors. And then I had kids that they would give me that were the more difficult campers and they were able to function in my group. So those sprinkles of insight pushed me to a place where I picked motivational speaking and motivating others as a path that I wanted to kind of walk out. How long have you been doing this now? Oh, boy. Well, I, you know, as a business, I started my, my nonprofit in 2008. So that's when it was official. But, you know, believe it or not, motivating and encouraging others, it, it, it's in my DNA. So, you know, I have, uh, I have grade school friends that uh, when I post about my book, or I put things on my social media pages, they're able to remind me of stories where I was actually putting into practice what I now do as an adult when I was a kid. And you've been doing this long enough. Have you started, you, you must have gotten some feedback now of people who've heard you and have made changes in their lives or it inspired them in some way. Yes, yes. You know, um, I've had students who've gone through my program who, you know, I have one student who, which is relevant to the climate today, who came in, she was um, a Caucasian white student who told the group that before she came, now when I go into a high school, Jody, I ask that uh, the principal gives me, I have 30 students at a time, so I want that group to be made up 
uh, cross section. So that I want all the students in that group to be from different walks of life, white, black, Latino. So she came into that group and she interacted with students that she never would have spoken to if she didn't come. And what was beautiful about it is she came in, her world was very, very much isolated. But when, by the time she graduated, you know, she had her, she was graduating, she had a prom. Her prom bus had every different ethnic group in it. So it showed how she was able to grow through the experience. I also had a young lady who, out of four generations, no one had ever graduated high school. And after coming in the program, getting some support, she was able to be the first person out of four generations to graduate high school. That's terrific. That's terrific. I imagine that's that's really sort of motivating in your own part when you hear these uh, people who um, you've you've helped who've, who've sort of gotten motivated themselves to to um, make a better lives for themselves to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Well, you know, people always ask, "What does success look like for me?" Um, and so I say that to you because that's exactly it. You know, success for me is not really me beating my chest and saying, oh, I did it again. But success for me is seeing the fruits of your labor, you know, seeing that something that I've done to help an individual comes to fruition and you get to see it play out in real life. So, yeah, it really generates some energy that keeps me, if you want to use a baseball analogy, getting up to the plate. I understand there's a, there's a, a, a part of one of your books that you you wanted to uh, share. I wasn't sure which one. It's out of Be Encouraged, and Be Encouraged is written devotional style, so you pick a page, you read it, um, and you can get motivated for the day. So I picked the page. It's, it's titled Stuck in the Past. Clinging to and nourishing vindictive hurts and grudges will eat at your soul, consume your happiness, and rob your creativity. Similar to blame, this junk keeps you stuck in the past. You often won't know what you have, let alone what you need in life, until you clear the mental and emotional room to experience the here and now. Be encouraged. And so that's that's what I wanted to share. And I wanted to share that, Jody, because... You know, what people need to understand is that if we don't self-reflect and kind of find some direction in our lives, we we start living in the past rather than in the moment and we miss out on life. You know, you wake up one morning and, you you know, you're you're older and you wonder where yesterday went, but it, it was there and you didn't take advantage of it. So that's why I wanted to read that to you all. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And the idea behind the book is um, it's just something each day to uh, maybe take a page a day, something to think about, something to reflect on, and something to uh, to think about. This is how I'm going to approach the day today. Yes. Yep. Yep. And, it, and, it, and it, you know, what it does is sometimes like that, it's, it's in preparation for the day, but then I have some that actually walk you through the process of if you made a bad decision that you can read it and rather than waking up that day and carrying that decision with you you know I talk about the different areas of how that can help you so you know the book is written with the foundation of it is the things that I've been able to overcome in my life and the the feedback that I get is that you know I've I've had to overcome many things so when I write a page 
a lot of people feel as if I'm reading their mind because I put on the pages something that's identical to something that they've been able to overcome. Now, I mentioned that you're also founder and executive director of Youth Voices Center. And could you talk a little bit about what that is and its its mission as well? Yes, yes. Its mission is to allow young people to live a quality life. Now, what I mean by that is I created a youth development program that I take in the high schools, which I mentioned. And my program is to run students through an interactive experience where they get to learn the story of their lives. But I believe that as we go through life, we step on landmines. And when we step on a landmine, we don't blow up, but damage occurs. And once that damage occurs, we start to make decisions based on the damage rather than what's going on in real life. And so my program is built to help these young people start to get control over their lives because once we walk through their lives and they're able to see where they may have stepped on a landmine, they can start to strategically plan being proactive rather than being reactive because they understand their stories on a deeper level. So, you know, the program's success gave me the ability and forced me to create the nonprofit. So the pro, you know, Power, Power of Peace, my program, is what is delivered under the umbrella of Youth Voices Center. Um, but, you know, it's for self-reflection to the individual student, but like I had mentioned before, also to help with the integration and the the mixing of the different groups within high schools throughout the nation. And as a big part of that is getting people to communicate effectively with each other, to listen to each other as well. Yeah, not only listen, I think what's even more powerful and what happens in my workshops is the fact that we we judge people only by what's been told to us. So, you know, if you take, let's take a, a, a black student that only has black friends and they talk about a white person, their definition of a white person only comes from blacks. So, I mean, how accurate can their definition of a white person be if only they get it from blacks? So, you know, when they get in a group and they get to hear a white person or a Caucasian student talk about their history and where they come from, they start to realize that they have more similarities than they are that much different. And what do you think the the biggest challenges that you're finding that a lot of the, 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 the young people you work with that they're encountering these days is? Self-worth. You know, I think it's self-worth, and I think that, not I think, I know. And what I teach in my program is that we have to learn to be able to get value from ourselves first. And then if we're able to get more from our peers or family members, it's like icing on the cake. And so we, we talk a lot about how we have to be able to, you know, strategically tell ourselves who we are, how we want to represent ourselves and make a conscious effort of uh, feeding ourselves positive affirmations so that we're able to be uh, independent rather than dependent on others to make us feel that we are happy. 
And I know these days it's easy to get discouraged. Uh, and working with youth, do you feel like um, you're seeing uh, more trouble or are you starting to see that especially the youth is understanding things or getting or talking to each other? Is there something to say, you know, with a, with a little help, the youth today could really make something special out of this world? Oh, yeah, they sure can. Listen, let me tell you, in two days, Jody, I'm able to maybe not change all their minds or their perspectives, but I'm able to get them to sit at the table and actually agree that, you know, you know, I do an activity with them. I call it concentric circles. And um, so you imagine an inner circle facing out, an outer circle facing in. I give them five questions that they have to ask five different people, and you ask it, you answer it, they, and then they answer it. I rotate them five times. So I want you to imagine the first question is a person of people I respect and why I respect them. The second question is qualities that I look for in a friend and why. The third question is if I had the power to change something in the world, what would it be and why? The fourth question is a time you felt most hurt by someone you trusted. And the final question is a time that you lost someone you cared about. And they go around the circle. They talk to five different people. Now, remember, that group is made up of students that they don't normally talk to. And so after we do the five questions, all my groups are done in a circle. So we do this in the inside and outside circle. But then I pull them into the larger circle and I ask immediately, how does it feel? And after doing five questions, you, you think it takes us, you know, about 15, 20 minutes and I asked those students, how does the room feel? And the essence and the feel of that room changes in 20 minutes because they've been transparent with a student that's different than who they are. And they realize that their world, a lot of the hate is built on misunderstanding rather than truth. And so, you know, you saying that the world could be a better place, that 30 group of 30 students, when they leave my room, when they sit in the classroom, they now are able to look at other students outside themselves and say, you know what, little Jimmy, or not little Jimmy, but Jimmy over there may be black, or he may be Latino, but you know what, he may be going through some things just as tough as I am. I'm wondering, a program like that, I mean, certainly sounds really great for, for young people. I would think it would be just as good for the adults who, who who don't always sort of have a very insulated views of people or sort of just don't get out and, and have connections with other people who don't look like themselves a lot. And so I wonder if it's something like this, or, or do you do anything with like adults as well who could certainly benefit from something like this? Yeah, yeah, Jody, I get called now. So, so imagine I get called into these schools for these students, but I get called in just as often to teachers. So, you know, you have teachers, you know, the, the, it starts at the top. So a lot of what you have going on with your students, that's just a trickle effect. And so a lot of schools will call me in on staff development day to start breaking down the same barriers that I'm doing with the students, with the teachers. And so the material that I have is not like structured for you. So it's not like you do an activity and if I have you do an activity and you're 35, 40 years old, you feel like you're a little kid doing it. No, the activities I do are built for humans. And so when I do them with adults, you, you get the same result. You know, um, you know, when I run a, a group of teachers through my program, it's not about 
going back into a classroom and, and feeling that with a student, you know, what I drive home when I do it with the teachers is when I start to give them insight and they start to see it, I have them first touch it on the base of a coworker. So just like the students having the barriers and the, and the walls put up, I have them break down the barriers as their coworkers, but then I have them think about their classrooms. You know, so I always make it relevant so that they can take their experience and allow it to help them on an individual level, but then also allow them to project it on their job and duty as being a person to stand up in front of their class. And have you, just like with the motivational speaking, have you seen uh, feedback and effect that this has had within uh, like either individual students or school systems or, or teachers themselves that uh, they, they've really tried to make a change, you know, in their lives or the people around them as well? Yes, yes. Um, I got two examples. Uh, the first example is for teacher firsthand. Like the last activity I do, um, it's called personal share. So you got to imagine <coughs> my program is uh, two days with the 30 students. So it's pretty intense. But the last activity I do on the second day is called personal share. And so they bring in an item that means a lot to them. So they go home and it could be a stuffed animal, a picture. And a girl brought in a picture of her dad and her. And so when she Presented the picture, we're all like, you know, we're waiting for this little fluffy story about mom, dad, and daughter. And she tells us that this guy called her the night before and explained to her why he should have aborted her. And so she's running this down, you know, because his personal share doesn't have to be a good thing. It's just what she wants to share. And so as she's sharing this, of course, our hearts are, are, are bleeding. But there's a teacher, four kids, four people down, who has a picture of his family on his lap. And as she's speaking, he's crying profusely. Snot running out of his nose. I mean, Jody, he's, he's crying. And when we finally got to him, he said, I can't show my picture. After listening to what you said, got up and hugged her. And said that he'll never be able to walk into a classroom and teach the same again. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah, it, it, it's had an impact on teachers on a culture of an entire building. I've done, I've been in a building for like three years. So we've had some extensive work. You imagine 30 kids at a time. I'm in there about six times a year. Um, and a woman, I did an adult workshop in that community and a woman came to the adult workshop, saw my work. And said to me, now I understand. And I'm like, what do you mean you understand? She had went to that school and she realized just being in the school, the effects of what I was teaching in my group. She can feel the energy in all of Well, it sounds like a terrific, it's not a terrific program. And, and uh, I imagine people get very emotional, make themselves, uh, you know, more vulnerable. And sometimes that can be a tough thing to do uh, for some people. I know that would be a tough thing for me, but... Uh, uh, so how do you, how do you sort of na navigate where people are um, you know exposing themselves or maybe concerned about being vulnerable and making them feel safe enough to uh, share like that? First and foremost, Jody, I do it first. So before I ask you to tell me anything about yourself, uh, I do it first, and then what I tell them 
is you get to control the volume. So, you know, you have total control over how much you want to share, how much you don't want to share. So don't get caught up in the fact that because Susie gave it all up, you don't have to feel the same. But I will tell you this. When you sit in a room, when you sit in a room where you have 30 people that are all giving it up, then you you start to feel like you want to do the same. So the the book you picked as one of your uh, favorite books is Curious George, uh, which is written by H.A. Ray, which is published in 1941. And I, I do have to say when my son was younger, it was one of his favorite uh, books as well. And I'm sure it's a very familiar book to most people, but for somebody who hasn't had a chance to read it yet, can you talk a little bit about uh, what who Curious George is and what the book's about? You know, Curious George is about a little monkey and this man with a big yellow hat. And uh, it, it, the concept sounds so simple. You know, when you ask my book, it's the first book that jumped into my mind. And, and why I loved it so much is because my childhood was so crazy, Jody, that the monkey and his adventures and having a hero that always came to save him became a place of respite for me. You see, when I opened the book and I was able to read how Curious George had his adventure, it allowed me to escape with Curious George. But at the same time, even though I didn't really have the, the guy, the, the guy with the yellow hat to save me, you know, I had some, some role models who became my, my guy with the yellow hat. Do you remember when, what was the first time you encountered uh, this? It was, it was, it was on the shelf. I picked it up. You know how the teacher sends you to the shelf to pick a book? And I picked it. You know, there was words. You, you and I had a, a preliminary. I remember words. There was no words in Curious George books, Jody. Oh, there, yeah, there's, yeah, there, there, there were, there were, there were some words, yeah, not a lot, not a lot, yeah, not a lot, not a lot. Maybe that's why I liked it. I, I, I wasn't crazy about reading. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, not bad. You know what I'm saying? I, I wasn't a good reader. I was a little, I struggled in that area a little bit. And what was it about? What is it about Curious George that was so appealing to you at that age? It, that he, that he was safe. You know, I, I, I wasn't safe. I lived in a, an environment. Where, you know, even though he was curious and he got into trouble, you never got that type of feeling from Curious George. You know what I'm saying? And so when you're coming from an environment like my own, that was very unbalanced. And, you know, I never had a sense of security. His freedom and his, his way of being able to live gave me some comfort. You know, and that's what really appealed to me. Yeah, I wonder if that makes him what makes him so appealing. He gets into all this trouble, and he's never in serious danger. So, for a lot of kids, if they see that, they're always kids in general always getting into some sort of trouble, and maybe it's you know it and seeing somebody like that saying it's it's okay, you know, this happens, and it's just part of. Uh, growing up, that you kind of explore the world, and uh, sometimes things don't work out quite right. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, I agree. Now, I was wondering, the two, the the thing about uh, Curious George is he never talks in any of these books. You know, we, we might hear what he's going on in his mind, but he never actually speaks himself. And I wonder if kids sometimes also see themselves in him because they don't always have the words 
uh, to explain what's going on in their, you know, what's going on with them. They don't, they, you know, they just don't have the, 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 the words, the language yet to, to explain to people, you know, this is why I did the thing I did, you know, they just don't know how to do it. And so that can be very frustrating. And so Curious George, you know, can't explain it either. And he just goes on. So they wonder if they kind of see themselves in that way too. Well, well, you know what, Jody, I'm glad you said that because that's part of the reason uh, why I developed my program. It's because I also wanted to give young people an opportunity to have a voice. You know, um, you're right. Curious George didn't speak. And it would, if you're looking at it and you're comparing it to yourself, it, it, it will make you feel like he's similar to you not having a voice on a personal level. But my program is put together because I feel like and I know that if you're able to talk and get some of those things out of your head that you're thinking, it creates an environment for you to be able to endure and successfully be able to overcome things in a better way. And you know what? As you say that, Jody, that, that could be again why I like it. You know what I'm saying? You know, maybe I found some similarities in the fact that he didn't speak. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's something for me to think about once we finish this interview. I was thinking, too, like the, the man in the yellow hat, no matter what trouble George gets into, the man in the yellow hat is always there in the end to welcome him back, to take him back and uh, let him know he's got a safe space to be. Uh, maybe for kids, do to think about who's their own man in the yellow hat in their lives uh, that they can think about who make them feel safe as well, no matter what kind of trouble they get into. Yeah, yeah, he he he, he rarely he, a smile. He had a smile, and he would receive him, and then not only receive him, you know, he would he would explain to him, you know, what what you know what I'm saying, what what he did or what he went through. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, when I used to teach, um, I I often um, use picture books with even like older students. Like uh, I did elementary, but I also did middle school, and I would use picture books. And I'm thinking, you know, even books like this can have a value for like teens or even adults. So, what do you think? Like even older kids might take from a story like this. I, I think there's a, uh, sometimes we sort of, these books when we were young, we kind of set them aside, but I think there's a, a value in picking them up again and looking at them when we're older, you know, even somebody you know, my age, you know, looking at them again and saying, well, what what can I still get out of this? You know, even though this is written for a really young kid, it doesn't mean that it doesn't still have value for me. So what do you think that might for, for older kids or even adults that they might uh, take from this story? Well, you know, when, when you're older, you're able to look at a picture and fill in the blank. So you look at it through the eyes and the lens of a child. It's childlike. So you can you can have childlike like thought, thoughts to what you see. Whereas the older you are and the different life experiences you go through, you can so you can look at the picture at the age of five. And then look at it again at 25 and what you've gone through over the years can change your perception of what you see. I mean, you take a picture. I mean, as an experiment, you put a bunch of us in a room, we, we 30 years old, pull out a page of Curious George and just ask people to walk it out. And I bet you you'll be very much intrigued by how people are able to take what they see in a picture. You know, because they're going to shape it 
and make it feel and be consistent with something that they went through rather than something that they're just pulling from the air. Because even us as adults can get into trouble sometimes, and sometimes we need our own, uh, I guess, man in the yellow hat to make us feel safe at times when we're not quite sure what to do. Yeah, yeah, listen, Jordy, I wish I had a man with a yellow hat quite often in my life, you know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. (laughs) Well, Michael, uh, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to me today, uh, both about your own work as a motivational speaker and, and working with the youth, and for talking about Curious George and how it applies to, well, just about all of us, I think. Yes, yes, definitely. Thank you, Jody, for having me. You know, um, and I'm hoping that at least, you know, maybe there's something that your audience was able to take from our conversation. You can find Michael's website at www.michaelartaberry.com and the website for Youth Voices Center at www.youthvoicescenter.org. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music, titled All Together, is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art was created through Canva which can be found at www.canva.com. You can visit me at jleemont.com or follow me on Twitter at DreamGardensJLM. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. And if you'd like to participate in the Dream Gardens podcast, go to the contact page on my website and send me a note telling me who you are and what book you'd like to talk about. And until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading.